0: You are now tuned into The Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go
1: to tell their stories.
0: What's going on, everybody? James Bodden here, and I am fired up to be back for Season 3 of The Lunch Break Podcast. Episode 51, Season 3 Premiere. John Barrows joins me for... A fantastic conversation about how he got started in sales his journey through the ranks how he sees success and the formula that he used to move up the things he learned along the way and as always John keeps it real right I mean that's why we all love John Barrows so much so I'm really fired up to give you guys this episode here if you can't listen to the entire thing, I'm going to serve up a quick snack break sales tip given to us by
1: John Barrows. Listen up. Uh, after every single phone call you have with somebody, uh, I call it the summary email, all right? Because the way it works is this. Say you and I are talking right now and, I, and you're trying to sell to me. It's not that I'm lying to you, right? It's just that as soon as we get off this phone, my boss comes in and changes my priorities. Uh, your competition comes in and talks to me about something totally different. So now two or three weeks later, it's like this conversation never happened. And for you to try to remind me what we talked about two or three weeks ago, shit, I barely remember what I said two or three minutes ago, forget about two or three weeks ago. But if you got it documented and I've confirmed it, then you got something to hold me accountable. So the way it works is, and by the way, you have to let them know it's coming. If you don't let them know it's coming, the response rates drop to the floor. So what you do is, hey, James, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. It, there's some next steps in action items here before I go ahead and do all that though. What I'm going to do is I'm going to briefly summarize what I was able to gain from our conversation today. I'm going to send it over to you in a quick email. Could you do me a favor and email me back to let me know if it's all accurate and if I missed anything. So you tell them that, right? And then they say, yes, sure. And then right after you get off that phone, don't write a book here. And this is not a chance for you to reiterate your value proposition. This is purely to confirm what you heard from them. Current situations, this, your timelines, this, your priorities are this, these are the next steps. You know, those type of things like the key stuff that you want to make sure that you hold them accountable for. Right. Then you send it to them. I will tell you right now, if you get a response back, I only get about a 25, even when I tell them that that's going to happen, I only get about a 25, 30% response rate. But those 25, 30% that I get a response rate on, I have a 95% close ratio.
0: A fantastic snack break sales tip from none other than John Barrows. And with that, if you happen to be eating lunch, if you happen to be taking a break, go ahead, get comfortable, sit down, And get ready to enjoy a fantastic episode with John Barrows. Episode 51, season three premiere. I hope you guys enjoy. The time has come, everybody. Episode 51 of the Lunch Break podcast. I wanted to kick off season three with a bang. And I couldn't think of a better person to bring on other than the most name-dropped person across the first 50 episodes, Mr. John Barrows is here with me. Thanks so much for joining me, John.
1: Yo, what's up, James? Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. And, and like I said, by far, everybody knows about what you're doing. Everybody loves what you're doing. And I'm fired up to get started. So with that, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody to get this thing kicked off. John, how did you get started in sales?
1: Yeah, um, you know, it's kind of like everybody else, man. I fell into it. I mean, you know, finally now you're starting to see universities uh, provide majors in sales, so people are graduating with sales. <clears throat> but, man, you know, when I I graduated about 20, 23 years ago now, sad to say. Uh, but, yeah, no, I I, I kind of went to college. Uh, one of the reasons I went to – so I grew up here in Boston, went to college down in New Maryland. <clears throat> one of the reasons I went to college there was because they – you didn't have to declare your major until you were a junior. Right. I didn't, I I always think it's absurd to ask a kid to declare what they want to do with the rest of their lives when they're 17 years old, you know, ridiculous. And so, um, so I wanted to figure it out and you know, I, you know people say follow your passion i was like okay uh i think by the way i think that's terrible advice <laughs> oh, so, like follow your passion find your passion is a, is a good advice follow your passion is a terrible <laughs> advice cuz when you're 17 18 years old you have no idea i mean yeah my passion was smoking weed and you know painting right <laughs> yeah. so so that was my so that's what i did i, I went to discuss, my first major was was art uh and and i realized really quickly i wasn't very good at it and i wasn't going to make any money at it so then I went into like, uh, you know, engineering because my dad was an engineer and I didn't like that. I <clears throat> went into a bunch of other stuff and I ended up uh, landed on marketing because hmm. I felt like it kind of combined some of the stuff I like to do and it was a lot easier of a major than anything <laughs> oh, <so, laughs> else. Yeah. So I graduated and then I was looking around for marketing jobs and I just didn't like what I was seeing. You know, it was like, I didn't want to be the assistant to the assistant to the assistant, you know, making 30 grand a year and wait for my 2.5% merit raise after a couple of years. I just didn't, that just didn't fit well with me. So uh, <clears throat> um, uh, it was a Black & Decker. They, ha- they recruit heavily out of University of Maryland. And so I went on an interview with them. and it was, it was under the premise of sales, but it was really event marketing. So the DeWalt team, the DeWalt Power Tool team, uh, decided to give me an opportunity, and their opportunity was to either go to Jersey or boston I wanted to go back to boston yeah. um, and um and it was it was cool because it wasn 't really sales it was i had a driver it was the first dewalt team in the in the region, and all we had to do was drive around with a dog dram pickup truck giving away free tools to construction workers and you know putting on shows right so it was pretty yeah. cool yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and I did that and then uh i I did pretty well and so i got promoted to to run a home depot region and the massachusetts was one of the biggest uh regions for home depot with dewalt so then it turned into a little bit more sales where they had to buy dewalt tools but i had to take that ten thousand dollar order and turn it into a fifty thousand dollar order right Mm. so it was like building end caps and sell throughs and all that other stuff yeah i did that but then um after that, they wanted me to move all around the country. And for some reason, at the, I just didn't want to do that. I, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time, and I kind of wanted to stay in Boston. So I left there after about a year and a half, and then I started with uh, Xerox. And because the girl that I worked with, her boyfriend was at Xerox, and so he got me an opportunity there. Yeah. And so I uh, joined Xerox, and that's really where I got my true sales education. You know, I, I yeah, we talk, talk about selling, you know, a commodity, right now, <laughs> yeah, but right. sale, but Xerox has a fantastic sales training program. Yep. And so I learned solution selling. I learned relationship sale. I learned all that stuff. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then I just didn't feel right with that because I, again, I, I, I never knew I was in quote unquote entrepreneur. Uh, But my parents both, uh, they worked, but they both were pseudo entrepreneurs, like they worked out of the house, my mom, you know, had a great job. And then I was born and then she became a consultant. So she worked out of the house, my dad consulted. So I always, they were always around the house and doing work, but not like nine to five type stuff. So I think I always had that in me, but I didn't know it. So when I was at Xerox, I just didn't feel right, because I was getting so much smoke blown up my ass about how good I was at what I was doing. And I just figured I was just doing my job, right? I was, I mean, I was, yeah, I was working harder than most, but So I was like, okay, apparently I'm good at what I do. So I talked to my boss and I said, hey, look, uh, I want to go like, this is my job here. This is the next job. And then that job, that's the job I want, right? So three or four rows up. So how quick can I get to that, right? My boss was like, no, 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 You have to spend two years doing this, then two years doing that, then two years doing this. And I just, I was like, wait a minute. So that kid over there who sucks, right? You, and by the way, we go out to lunch and we make fun of that kid um, or you make fun of that kid. He's going to get the job. He's going to get an opportunity to get a promotion the same time as I am. And he's like, yeah, that's, you know, it's unfortunately the way it works here. And I'm like, mm, not so much. And so my buddy at the time uh, from high school <clears throat> who graduated like last in our class partied his way through high school, like didn't go to college. Right. Uh, he had actually started a company and I was like, this is a joke. Like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. And, uh, but he had partnered up with one of my other buddies who was the smartest kid in our class and I graduated oh. from went to Duke, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And they started this small business. I outsourced IT ser- services company and they needed somebody to run sales and marketing. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. And I've always said, <clears throat> I'm not the, uh, I'm not like a ultimate risk taker. I'm a, I like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a calculated risk taker in the sense that there has to, I'm not the guy that's going to throw up everything, you know, live on my parents' basement, eat ramen noodles and, and go for the stars. But I'm that second guy, right? Like you bring me in when there's a little bit of traction in it, and I'll put this thing on fire. Yeah. So I joined, that's what I did. Uh, and as, because I was 24, I had no idea what I was doing. So I took every training I could, Sandler, Miller, Hyman, Tara, all of it. And I took, I came across this company called Basho and it was a really cool training company. I liked it because it was super, super tactical yeah and uh yeah so i I joined them uh i'm sorry so i i I used that training to help grow thrive up we ended up selling it off to staples we were the fastest growing company in massachusetts and then i joined basho not because i wanted to be a trainer because but um because i really liked the the content and then to make a long story short they screwed it all up and i took it over so now (laughs) i'm I'm working with uh, a bunch of really cool companies fast SaaS startups you know the linkedin box salesforce you know uh, slack google a bunch of those and a lot of the smaller ones too and just Super tactical training on on prospecting and all that stuff, and I'm loving it. And you know, for me, it's not because I love training. Uh, My passion sales. Like I I fundamentally believe that sales is the greatest profession in the world when done right. It's the worst when done wrong. And if you believe in what you do, sales is really just the transfer of enthusiasm, and and it it's what makes this world go round, right? So that's what I'm passionate about, and and I and I really do believe that once you find what you're passionate about that, like, like I said earlier, find your passion mm-hmm. and then the stars are yours. Right. But don't follow it when you're 18 years old. You have no <laughs> idea what it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, I-, I wish somebody had put it to me like that when I was 17, 18, cause you know, my passion was rapping and wanting to be a, exactly. you know, and so, you know, I spent the majority, like all of my college years, just, thinking that that was going to happen. Right. And just mm-hmm. kind of banking on that going down. Right. Um, yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Well, it you know, <clears throat> your journey is very interesting because, you know, one of the things I know you you harp on and, and you believe a lot in is, is believing in what you're selling. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and being able to to transfer that enthusiasm in a genuine, authentic way. Uh, and it sounds like you you kind of had that built in like right away. Right. So like with Xerox, it was like, mm, you know, I'm not fully, whether it's the way that they operate internally or the product or whatever, I'm not feeling this.
1: Well, actually a little bit different. Um, so I did believe in Xerox. I just didn't believe in the company. Right. So yeah. I didn't believe I well, not, no, I'm sorry. I believed in the company. I just didn't like the, the, that what I was being forced into. Right. And I also mm-hmm. woke up with Xerox saying, you know, no matter how hard I work, I'm not, I don't make a difference here. Like, you know, I'm not going to move the stock price. You know what I mean? And if I leave, somebody else is going to come in behind me and be, you know, maybe not as good, but good enough. Right. Yeah. So, but really what got me to, to, to understand this was when I got fired from Staples. So, so we sold our company to Staples. um, I thought again, it was oh, cool. This is me. I'm going to integrate into a big company. I'm going to figure this out. They ended up firing me. And, and it was a shock because I, I mean, it wasn't a shock. I was, I kind of was burning that place down because <laughs> I don't have, I don't have much of a filter and I really don't like politics, right? So <laughs> yeah. after a while they, they, well, they offered me another position, right? And which is a really nice corporate way of firing you. Uh, yeah. By the way, here's a tip for everybody out there. If you're ever a VP of anything for a startup, and uh, the company grows to a certain point and they hire an SVP of something, of whatever your role is, you better start looking for a job because that's the corporate way of saying fuck off. Right? So, <laughs> so just as a tip for anybody out there who's in startups, if you're yeah. a VP that gets a company to a certain level and then all of a sudden they hire an SVP, that's them firing Your days me. are numbered. <laughs> so anyways, um, I got fired. You're on mute, buddy. Sorry about that. Um, no worries. I got, I got fired, so so then I was like, I was in a bit of a panic, right? Because I'm sitting there. I had done it it sales for seven years, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, shit. Am I an it sales guy? I'm like, is that what I am? I'm like, gross. I don't even like computers. You know what I mean? Like I like I don't give a shit about computers. Like and so my wife was the one who actually helped me out. She said, all right, well, let's take a look back at your career. She's like, why were you the top rep in every single job you've had, right? So so let's take a look at Dewalt. Like, why were you one of the top reps in at Dewalt? I was like, well, I don't know, because the wall power tools are badass. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, just, I, I just thought they were badass. I thought they were super cool. So it wasn't hard for me to, to have the conversation about the wall power tools, right? And then it was Xerox. It was like, well, I don't give a shit about copiers. But, but I genuinely believed that Xerox at the time was the best copier in the industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. company and there was a single source. And so I, I believed in Xerox over all the other competitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at Thrive... I, was, I didn't care about computers, but I genuinely believed that the people that we had on board and the service that we provided was the best in, in, the, in the industry, right? So after kind of going through that process, I was like, all right, it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what I sell. It just matters that I believe in what I sell. And that got me to open up a whole different viewpoint of, of what I was looking for when it came to my next, my next job. And that's when I came across Basho, the training. I was like, well, shit, I love this training. So, you know, why don't I, why don't I try that? So.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and it, it makes sense. I think if, if if you've been in sales for any sort of longer period of time, you've probably had that realization of, am I really the IT sales guy or am I really the cell phone sales guy? Like, mm, probably like, I just, no, I'm not. Right. And you, again, you made an interesting point about finding your passion because what i've found is that take xerox, for example it's copiers right you 're not going to get excited about copiers when I worked at the data analytics consulting firm, I barely passed algebra two right i 'm not an analytics guy, but what you but what you can search for and find and and mine for are the service, the people that we employ, you know? So for me, when it was data analytics, it was like, well, I know all of these really smart people that work here and they're fantastic people. They're incredibly intelligent. I can get behind going to bat for those guys. I know nothing about statistical models or machine learning, but I can get behind what we're gonna do for a company, right, so it sounds like you kind of had that same feeling.
1: And I, yeah, and that's what I recommend every company do, by the way, every Mm -hmm. rep who works at a company and every company who is hiring reps before you teach them product, before you stuff, you know, the spec sheets down their throat and get them to memorize all that shit, have them go interview customers, read the case studies, go talk to clients and ask like, Hey, what, what kind of a difference do we make? Right. And that will get them to say, Holy shit. And then, and then have the founders come in and talk to the, the reps about why they started the company. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause there's always a pretty kick-ass story about why founders started a company because they saw a need, right. And, and they created a product to solve a need. Now you're not going to, you're not going to be the best fit for every company out there, but for the right companies, you know, if you really make a difference, you know, I'd be worried if I worked at a company that didn't have a lot of case studies that didn't, you know, that was like kind of a, <clears throat> not a solution sale, but just kind of a one and done. See you later. Like that would be like, ah, I, I can't do this, but if you can get in there and talk to some clients and have them tell you, Hey, before we were using your solution product or whatever it is, this is what was going on. We were really frustrated and whatever. Now with your solution product, man, we are driving these type of results. It's made my life so much easier or whatever that is, whatever that story is, Yeah, learn what that story is. First of all, it's going to get you to believe in the company, right? Second of all, those stories are going to get you to have some stuff to tell, right so when you're out there reaching out to prospects and and, and co calling or or meeting with them, like you 'd be like, yeah, you know you bring, it's interesting you bring that up. I was actually just talking to another customer. I was reading one of our case studies where they had that exact same problem, and this is what they did about it, you know that mm-hmm. type of stuff, so that way you can you can really start to believe in what you do again it doesn 't matter what the product is it is does that product or solution make a difference
0: yeah yeah and and You know, sometimes you might have to dig a little deep, right? Mm -hmm. It might not be on the surface. It might be something where you got to go find out that, you know, your solution helps supply chain managers. Well, that's Mm -hmm. cool at surface level. But digging in and finding out that your solution saved the supply chain manager at, you know, whoever time so he could leave earlier to go get his kid i mean you know something exactly. like that or right? got something... a promotion exactly you know what i mean exactly. like something
1: like that right yeah
0: somebody's life was changed mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's you know it always gets grouped in with like a millennial trait mm-hmm. of wanting to feel like you matter and wanting to feel mm-hmm. like you're moving the needle and that's a great way to to identify those things to help i think so. You know, yeah, I mean,
1: I think that, I think that's tagged on millennials as far as purpose, but man, I, I don't know anybody out there who doesn't succeed without purpose. Exactly. I, you know, whether that's it's- why I think it's, it's so know, silly not, that it's
0: grouped in, right? I mean, everybody right, feels no, that I, way. I mean,
1: it's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, yes, things are definitely different. Like, you know, as a Gen Xer, for me- um i didn't really care as much about the big picture i cared that i believed right but i didn't care about the the fluffier stuff i was like give me my territory give me my quota get the fuck out of my way right like (laughs) just like i don't care about the team meeting you know the team events and the fuck you know the camaraderie or yeah yeah. i literally could give a shit about any of that stuff you know but now things are vastly different but that doesn't mean i didn't i didn't give a shit about caring Mm-hmm. I didn't give a shit about purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I and I think anybody, like I said, anybody who is 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 look is, is is wants to be successful. Um I didn't forget about being successful. I think everybody in this world is looking for purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you start if you stop losing, I mean, you, I mean, let's let's go all the way to the, you know, retirement and stuff like that. I mean, people literally there, there's studies out there that people die once they 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 give up in the sense of once they stop having purpose. Right.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I can't
1: tell you how many people who I know who have retired and now they're just like, what do I do with myself? You know what I mean? Like, I have to, like my mom's a perfect example. She's 70, fuck, 75, 76 years old. And she is, she's like, she's come up with a bunch of new ideas. She's worked with, you know what I mean? Like she, she's not stopping. Like, she's not stopping at all because if she did, I, I think she would die. You know what I mean? I really do. Straight I up, would, like, when she stopped being creative, when she stopped finding purpose, she would, she would, she would give up. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. and I think that's everybody. And, and so I think everybody searches for it. I think millennials are, are tagged with it because they, they openly search for it. You know what I mean? They, they openly say, I need purpose. I need, I need this. Right. Whereas I think maybe Gen Xers and everybody else don't openly say that it's just, we know it. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and Millennials are are the ones who will tell you about it for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, and and I think it's absolutely what you said. It's 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 that driving force that gets you out of bed every day, right? Like, what are you excited about? What do, what are you? And you know, so many people. Sales is a profession that gets a lot of people that aren't really passionate about being a sales professional, right? You just kind of end up you you know you might even be on probation and this is the only job that you can yeah. get you know and, well, it, and i mean
1: easy easy entry low barrier to entry yeah you don't yeah. have to have skills you just gotta be able to talk and take a beating i mean mm-hmm. really at the end of the day that's yeah so that's so why i think you have such a bad name by the way i think absolutely. i think so many people get into this profession just because they know they think they can make you know it's, it's easy way to make money and have flexibility in their career so they're like screw it you know I'm getting into sales. I don't really care what I sell, but fuck it. I'm going to make some cash. right? Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. And it, you know, when I first started my sales career, it was a little tough because I felt motivated to, to make this thing into a career. Yeah. But the majority of the people that I worked with were showing up 30 minutes late, peacing out, taking long ass lunch breaks. And that was a little, you know, the mor- it's hard when the morale's like that. Right. But what I realized was, well, this is just like a massive opportunity for me yeah. to be like, I can just show up and be as committed as I am. I don't have to try any harder. And I'm going <laughs> to outshine everybody else who doesn't give a shit,
1: right? And it That's sounds I mean, like... That's yeah. the same happened to Xerox. I mean, I yeah. was, I literally, I was just doing my, I mean, for some reason, you know, my dad probably, you know, instituted a pretty good work ethic in me, whatever, at an early age. And so I would, you know, I'd show up seven o'clock in the morning. I'd make my calls. I would do my thing. I would stay until probably six, seven, eight o'clock at night. Uh, I, would you know, I'd go to events that evening, networking events and meet people and whatever. And I, but I was dialed like, okay, in like, this is, this is what you're supposed I mean, I don't know. Like, doesn't seem too hard to me like i mean i i think like like 75 percent of life is just showing up you know what i mean like absolutely just doing their job and, and i don't think this is just sales right I, I i think there's apathy across the board i think i think mm. most professions most people just show up i mean i i hate to say it but i i honestly think that 80 percent of this world are fucking sheep i really do <laughs> i think they're just going through the fucking motions and they're just waiting for somebody else to tell them what to do and <clears throat> they just want to kind of show up get their you know merit raise and all that other stuff. And, and it's like, okay, it, you know, and I, I just was never one of those types of people. Like I, I was never a follower. Um, I, I was always somebody that didn't, didn't, you know, I, I felt that urge to, to, to push to that next level regardless of who was around me or what, well, you know, I just always had a inner motor that, that I, again, I, you know, now with a daughter, I, I, I ask my parents that all the time. I'm like, Hey, what did you do like, to, to instill that drive in me? And they were like, nothing, you know? And, and, and again, if I really were to be reflective on it, I was not that driven of a kid. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't like the, I wasn't like the super passionate kid. I wasn't the best basketball player. I wasn't the, you know, I never had that. Oh, I got to be the best at this. And it, I think it really just kicked into it. It evolved, right? It, It kind of evolved. And, and all of a sudden when it clicked, it was like, all right, yep. I, and I think it also it was based on the fact that I knew I wasn't a smart, like the smartest kid out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't like a Harvard grad, you know, I wasn't a 4.0 kid. I always had to work my way through school. So I knew I wasn't the smartest. I knew I wasn't going to get by, by being the smart kid in the room. So I yeah. said, okay, well, if I'm not going to be the smart kid, I might as well be the hardworking kid Yeah, And that's where I just said, fuck it. I'm just going to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's so funny because <clears throat> I've had similar real, like kind of realizations of I'm, for the majority of my life, I've been fantastically average,
1: right? Just like, I say that the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly above average. I'm I'm a slightly above average in almost everything. Okay. But I'm not great at anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, what
0: happens when you, because what that breeds is, is, is you learn early on. Like I remember in school, I figured out that if I just do my homework I don't have to study for tests because I'll have, you know, I won't have zeros, my grade right. will be weighted, right? And right. so I was always kind of picking things apart like that. And when you <clears throat> enter into, I think for for a lot of people, it's that mindset shift of, okay, well, sales is, now I have an opportunity to, that I see a path forward that that I'm kind of digging
1: that that hard work pays off, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that was the problem with me with the, with the jobs, like the nine to five jobs. I was like, well, <clears throat> my, my hard work isn't going to produce the equivalent results for me in yeah. a nine to five job. Yeah, especially so when I'm you're not... sitting
0: next to Johnny Dumbass doing the right, same exactly.
1: thing. Or Johnny, or Johnny Smartass, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean? You know what I mean? Like you sit next to a kid who's smarter than you and you're like, okay, uh i guess we're here together and uh you have see. an mba i barely graduated college <laughs> right and let's see how this goes right yeah. and so you know but no matter how hard i worked more than that person then again again we'd get the same promotion at the same time and i, was, I looked at sales and i said Nah, actually i like that now i work harder i get paid more i mm-hmm. go faster i go okay So I I think it was just a logical thing for me to make the connection to and said, this is me. This is like, I can do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it, 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 such a common experience. And I think one of the interesting things about your story in particular, and and one of the things that I latched on kind of right away when I found your content was your push to make this sales profession respectable, Right and 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 really make it a career where kids can grow up and say like i want to be a salesman or a saleswoman when i grow up
1: that's why i wrote that book exactly
0: and that's what i wanted to talk to you about so i've i pre-ordered the book read the book with my son since then he's put on two shark tank uh presentations on things like staying up a little bit later (laughs) nice you know so he's he's totally in it right and i think what's cool is that i've always obviously always been preaching that sales is a great profession and sales is the way that we're able to maneuver through the world as a family right because that's what i do but it was almost seeing it in a story from somebody else that it's not just old dad yeah. saying that sales is cool. <laughs> oh, you know, this is some, something else. So talk to us a little bit about how that came about, man. Like how did you get to the point where you wrote that fantastic book?
1: Yeah. Thanks man. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it was funny because, you know, I've been doing this now for, I've been in sales now for about 23 years and I've been all my, I've been doing sales training for about 10 and, uh, you know, and, and you now I'm kind of where I am in my career and, <clears throat> getting some pretty good accolades whatever and everybody's been asking like when are you gonna write a book right i'm like i you know like i'm a state school kid i drank my way through college like I, i like i don't read much you know like yeah you know i read blogs right but i i actually also think most books are full of shit I really do. I, I, like, yeah. Every book that I have read, I've been like, okay, okay. And there's always been like, you know, 10% of it that's been, oh, there, all right, there's something cool. Mm-hmm. But then the other 90% is just fluff. And, the, exactly. and, and, I, and I made the connection like, well, they have to put that fluff in there so that they can sell it for twenty four ninety nine on Amazon, right? Yeah. I also had this disdain for people, especially in my industry, that write books just to write books just so they can get up on stage and do the tour. And they're the people who are on the tour with, you know, when I go do keynotes or something like that. And I know they're full of shit, but just because they have a book, you know, they're, they're higher seated than me. Right. And I'm like, Ugh, okay. Yeah. So I have always had this like, fuck books. <laughs> and so I didn't, fuck books. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, for me, for me, I, other yeah. people like people learn differently. Right. Like, like I just, I don't learn by reading books. Um, I learn yeah. by doing this. I, I mean, I actually started my podcast because, because this is how I learned. I learned mm-hmm. by interviewing people who are smarter than me and having interesting conversations and then saying, Ooh, that's a good idea. Let me go do that. Right. So that's how I learned. Right. Yeah. Books, like, so, so, but then I was like, all right, well, maybe I should, um, but I'm not going to do a book that everybody else, because also what am I going to write? Like what, what, what hasn't been written about sales? Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was like two, three years ago, my daughter started selling Girl Scout cookies and you know, she came to me and she was like, "Well, Daddy, uh, you gotta, you know, I have this link here where people can buy cookies online for me. Um, so could you do that? You have a pretty good, you know, strong social media following. She's like, could you share it out there? And I was like, no. And she's like, what? I was like, no, I'm not gonna do that. And she's like, why? not? I was like, first of all, uh, you gotta earn that uh so, like i built my network very and, and i'm not going to abuse my audience by just bla hey buy my daughter's cookies right yeah uh and so and also like why the hell is anybody gonna buy cookies from you over every other kid that's gonna you know knocking on their doors right she's like oh well what what, what, what can i do and i was like well you're gotta- convince people why they should buy, your, buy cookies from you. So we did a little video of her pitching her. So if you go to, I want to be in sales yeah. when I grow up, you see that little video of her. She's like, hi, I'm Charlotte Barrows. You know, I like lemonades and they're my favorite because they put a sweet, sweet taste in my mouth. And, and so I wrote a blog on that and put it out there and everybody loved it, right? And then follow up next year, uh, we did door-to-door. So I kind of coached her on door-to-door selling and how to handle objections and nice. all this sort a video on that. Yeah. And, and it kind of evolved and she was the number one cookie seller in our town, you know, for two years in a row. And, uh, right. And, and then I was like, you know what, this, this could be a book. And, and, and so I decided to write the book with her. Uh, first of all, also, because I travel so much, um, one of the things I've always had a hard time with, I, you know, I figured out a lot of stuff. I think, you know, I, I still got a ton to learn, but one of the things I always have had a really, and I still to this day have a really hard time with is, is when I leave, right. Is, mm. is traveling. Like just the guilt of of leaving uh, for two to three days, like that sits with me and I, and I can't let it go. You know, and I, I don't know how I've tried. And, you know, I do the FaceTimes. I do the, hey, we have this little fun handshake that we do before we leave and all that other stuff. But it just is always eat, eating at me. It's gutting, and so man. one of the things was, was like, hey, how do I, you know, maybe if I could include my daughter in, in what I do a little bit more, that that would help, right? And so we wrote the book together and, and, and it's based on her evolution of selling Girl Scout cookies. And, you know, the goal is to really, to your point is, is to elevate the profession of sales at a whole different, at a fundamental level. Right. Um, I didn't think any book that I wrote about sales techniques or anything like that. I don't think that would move the needle. I mean, I try to do my thing here with what I do as far as sales training and working with 20, 30 reps at a time and trying to elevate the profession that way. But I wanted to elevate it at a totally and change the perception, right? Because to your point, no kid ever says I want to be in sales when I grow up. And so um, the the idea there is to introduce sales to kids early so that they can see it as a profession that they can be, that's respected and, and they can be proud of and and get it into their heads. And so uh, that's the main, one main reason. The other one is to get more women into sales. It's based on my daughter, so it's trying to get more girls into sales and see it as a real profession because I think women are some of the best sales professionals I've ever come across in my life. And then just to put a cherry on top, uh, you know, all of it, uh, 100% of the profits go to charity. So. Uh, so my daughter, she actually doesn't, uh, she doesn't want to be in sales when she grows up, but she wants to be in, um, she wants to be a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a hundred percent of the profits go to world wildlife fund. And probably one of the proudest moments I've had in a long, long time is, uh, over Thanksgiving this past Thanksgiving, um, uh, the world wildlife fund, their office is in DC and my parents live in Virginia. So we went down for Thanksgiving and, uh, we ended up bringing them a check for $10,000 to donate to the world wildlife fund. And my daughter wow. got interviewed and everything. It was, it was really, really cool. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, talk about <clears throat> work-life integration, right. Yeah. And, and trying to solve for that because, you know, it's one of the things that I've seen you talk about. Um, and I think, you know, with this bro culture of hustle grind, like I'm on the road and I'm cool with it cause I'm doing my thing. Like, no, like when I've had to leave to go out of town, it's gutting. I don't like oh. it. It's not fun. You know, it's not a hustle, right? It's just shitty, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, You know, when I think about, first of all, I love the fact that she doesn't want to be in sales when she grows up, right? I mean, fantastic. Um, (laughs) And it's also super important to me, I think, that that this profession is elevated because even if you want to be a veterinarian when you grow up, you're going to have to learn how to communicate in a way that can move people towards a certain, you know, everybody whether you I mean, end up being a sales, you know, everybody's a salesperson. You've heard you that a thousand yourself, times. You sell yourself,
1: you sell your ideas, you sell You sell everything. And you know, that, and, and that skill is so important, right? Just if you want to get anywhere, I tell every kid just, what, go to school, do whatever you want to do, right? You want to be a psychiatrist, great. You want to be an artist fan, fantastic, whatever. Yeah. Just learn how to make money doing it. Learn how to sell, you know, like learn how to sell whatever that is so that you can enjoy what that is, right? You want to be in a band, fine be in a band just learn how to sell the shit out of that band so you can be the best band out there and people can get exposed to you your awesome music right yeah but if you're just the best musician out there and you're hoping that somebody you're putting a music you know some music on youtube is going to get you exposed and i mean yeah that happens once in a blue once in a justin
0: bieber you know
1: but even justin bieber like i used to hate that little shit right (laughs) but but if you looked at that kid, like that kid was a hustler back. You know what I mean? Like, he, first yeah, of all, he was, he was mad talented, you know, when you saw yeah, him. Yeah, like, drumming at four years him. old. Exactly. Like like mad talented. But he got out there and he did the work, right? Yeah. So, you know, as much as I kind of roll my eyes at that kid, it's not like that just like all of a sudden just happened for him, you know? Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. And And it never does, right? I mean... There's, there's tons of work below the water, right? Uh, uh, on, on any successful iceberg you see floating around, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the way of the world and we know it. And it's funny because I grew up thinking, I, I grew up knowing that I like talking to people and uh, I wanted to be an actor when I grew up mm-hmm. from when I was like six or seven, right? Yep. If somebody had told me at that time like hey like all these things you like about acting or wanting to be an actor this all stuff you get to do as a salesperson there's a sales floor right that's the stage right right? you get to and and but i spent all of my life thinking sales was a greasy Mm -hmm. trick people uh type of thing right? right and and uh, well, it's
1: it the took, movies too, right? Oh, the hey, movies. <laughs> Glenn Garlock, Ross, Bo- Boiler Room, Wolf of Wall Street. Those are all the ones that people say, "Oh, those are great." Sa-. No, those are horrible sales movies. Horrible,
0: le- horrible, they're, they're horrible sales
1: movies. movies. <laughs> they're horrible sales movies. And actually, I got I got a quick uh, homework assignment for everybody to listening to this. Go, you got to go watch my two favorite sales movies. Okay? Because fuck those other movies. Good movies, but they they, yeah, they represent good everything.
0: movies, but bad, bad about, sales. about sales. Yep.
1: And they represent everything that's wrong about sales. Uh, But the two best sales movies, in my opinion, out there. The second best one is uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Yep. Right. So that's about hard work. You know, I mean, shit. Talk about hard work. I, I thought I worked hard. I don't hold a candle like that, right? Nah. Uh, and But my favorite sales movie <clears throat> is uh, Tommy Boy. Yes. So Tommy Boy. So anybody, underrated, I, man. Yeah, oh, it is the greatest sales movie of all time, right? It, it, like, cause there's this one part I always call, I always talk about catching your sales groove, where there's this moment where, where you know, you wake up in sales and it just is a little bit easier than it was the day before, right? And you don't know exactly what happened, but it's when you stop pitching your solutions, you start having conversations about your solutions. Right? Yep. You start caring more about what the client needs than what you do about your commission check. And oddly enough, that's when your commission check goes through the roof, right? And, and there's that scene in Tommy Boy where he catches it, right? Helen, you look like a Helen. Let me tell you why I suck as a salesman. Well, say I go to some guy's office, say he's remotely interested in buying something from me. Well, I got excited. I'm like, Jojo, the idiot circus boy, they're pretty the pet, right? And he goes through this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. oh, you're twisted, right? I'll go fire up those wings. Oh, Tommy, like you, Tommy, want wingy, right? In that moment, he caught his sales groove, right? Because mm-hmm. it was just him being him. And, and, and also, you know, and, and just kind of who gives a shit type of thing. So yes. that's, was, uh, that, that to me is a great salesman right because like that and, and and the perception of that is is way better than Glen gary glenn ross way better than
0: way Golden better ross. well you know i mean if if you were to show that movie Glengarry gary glenn ross to somebody who was about to get in sales they might decide not to that's one of the most depressing movies of all time that shit's just sad
1: totally did i mean i actually told it's funny because i told morgan uh so the kid i hired about two and a half years ago right i <clears throat> i told him i go you got to watch it just because it is it is, you have to understand it. Not to say, yes, that sales, but you have to watch it. I go, but watch Tommy Boy afterwards <laughs> because it's so depressing. You got to yeah. be happy, right? So he said, and he called me up and he goes, dude, I am so glad you told me to watch Tommy Boy after that. Because after I watched Glenn Blair, Glenn Ross, I honestly was questioning whether hell I, why I, you know, if I should stay in this profession or not. He's I like, I know. I'm so- I was like yeah don't like that's not sales man it's not so it's not
0: no and it's spot-on man and I love that recommendation it's such a Tommy boys such an underrated never mentioned sales movie uh, oh, that not. needs to be at the top I love it so um, I know you're in the business of doing this all the time but I'm gonna ask you for just an actionable piece of advice that folks can yeah. use when they get done listening to the podcast
1: uh, for anything uh, anything maybe. anything you want man anything right, they can uh, use yeah. Google my favorite nugget. Google Jay Barrows, my favorite nugget, and you'll get this one. Uh, it is uh, after every single phone call you have with somebody, uh, I call it the summary email. All right. Because the way it works is this. Say you and I are talking right now and, I, and you're trying to sell to me. It's not that I'm lying to you. right? It's just that as soon as we get off this phone, my boss comes in and changes my priorities. Uh, your competition comes in and talks to me about something totally different. So now two or three weeks later, it's like this conversation never happened. And for you to try to remind me what we talked about two or three weeks ago, shit, I barely remember what I said two or three minutes ago, forget about two or three weeks ago. But if you got it documented and I've confirmed it, then you got something to hold me accountable. So the way it works is, and by the way, you have to let them know it's coming. If you don't let them know it's coming, the response rates are up to the floor. So what you do is, hey, James, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. there's some next steps in action. items here. Before I go ahead and do all that, though, what I'm going to do is I'm going to briefly summarize what I was able to gain from our conversation today. I'm going to send it over to you in a quick email. Could you do me a favor and email me back to let me know if it's all accurate and if I missed anything? So you tell them that, right? And then they say, yes, sure. And then right after you get off that phone, don't write a book here. And this is not a chance for you to reiterate your value proposition. This is purely to confirm what you heard from them. Current situations, this, your timelines, this, your priorities are this, these are the next steps, you know, those type of things, like the key stuff that you want to make sure that you hold them accountable for, Right then you send it to them. I will tell you right now, if you get a response back, I only get about a 25, even when I tell them that that's going to happen, I only get about a 25, 30% response rate. But those 25, 30% that I get a response rate on, I have a 95% close ratio. The ones who I don't get a response on, I get about a 50% close ratio. And what it does is it helps you hold, there's a fine line between being direct and being rude. And <clears throat> I think it's rude for you and I have a conversation and then next month for you to try to remind me what that conversation was and hold me accountable for it. But <laughs> But I think it's direct if you have the conversation with me, you document it, you send it to me. I say, yes, that's accurate. And then a month later, you hold me accountable for what I said. That's being direct. Because the three hardest things to do in sales, uh, create urgency when it's seemingly not there, maintain urgency after you've had that initial conversation, and going over somebody's head without pissing them off. Mm. Those are the three hardest things to do in sales. Uh, That summary email helps address two of them, maintaining urgency and going over somebody's head. Because if you, if you actually, let's, let's expand this out. Say you prospect and you prospect to the top, right? So say you prospect into a C-suite or whatever it is and you get referred down. So say Sarah's the one you go after as the executive and Jim's the one that's the director. Sarah says, go talk to Jim. You go have that conversation with Jim. You then summarize that conversation. You don't even have to ask to go back up to Sarah. That's a courtesy call. Sarah's the one who referred you in the first place. So what you say is, hey, Jim, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it below is a brief summary. Could you email me back? By the way, Sarah thank you so much for the referral to Jim below is what we talked about. Is there anything you'd like to add from an executive standpoint? And then when Jim like, and then you take Sarah off, right? And then when Jim, you know, then you go through with Jim and if Jim goes dark on you, then you, Hey, Sarah, not sure what happened to Jim. Hopefully everything's okay. But based on your priorities and your timeline here, I just want to see if we were moving in the right direction. So it maintains urgency because it keeps holding them accountable. And here's another tip as as associated with that, which is every single second, like, after your first meeting, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever, um, the first question you should ask everybody is what's changed. Mm. So what's changed since our last conversation, okay? Like, and you could do it as a small talk. Hey, James, as we, before we get started here, you know, hey, has anything changed since our last conversation? You'd be amazed at what people are telling us these days. And then you say, okay, well, is all this accurate? Is this stuff still all accurate? Okay, let's keep moving forward, all right? Yeah, And then one more tip that I'll give everybody, which is my favorite new one, which, uh, which will dictate your forecast is, uh, at the end of your call call, uh, ask this question this will dictate your forecast. It's uh, what happens if you don't make this decision? Mm. Ask that question. Everybody should ask the question. And, and, and ideally what happens if you don't make this decision by the date you said you wanted to make it by. Or like, or what happens if you don't implement this solution by the date, right? Because yeah. there's either a real answer to that question where they're like, you know what, we're going to miss out on this opportunity. We're going to lose out on this or what, and there's some quantifiable impact there. Or the answer is, well, you know, I guess we'll just kind of keep doing what we were doing. <laughs> and if you get that answer, okay, if you get the answer of, well, we'll just either A, you're not talking to the right person or B, you, I would not forecast that one.
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> and that, and that, that the answer to that question, by the way, goes into the summary email. What happens if you don't make this decision? You will miss out on this. So then when they flake on you, when they push back on timeline or whatever it is, you can say, hey, wait a minute. You said, right? You said these things. I'm not pushing on you. And somebody asked me recently, like, John, how hard can you push somebody at the end of the month to get the deal closed, right? And the answer to that is it is in direct proportion to how much it's in your best interest versus their best interest. Mm. If it's in their best interest, right? Because they got to hit a certain thing. They're going to miss out on opportunity, whatever that is, then you can and you should push as hard as you want to push. Yep. If it's in your best interest, because you got to hit your end of the month quarter or whatever it is, and you're just a jackass sales rep. All right. So those three things, summary, email, uh what happens if you don't make this decision and what's changed those are the three things i leave people with
0: fantastic man absolutely fire nothing less than what i expected from the most name dropped person in the lunch break podcast history and got to ask you the same question i ask everybody to wrap this thing up man john where's your favorite place to eat lunch
1: my house man my, my house i love I, it I, I, the, 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 when i'm home i'm happy so uh i don't i, I you know, I travel too much. So everything I do is uh, to try to be as home as much as possible. That's why today I'm home with my daughter, even though she's sick. Uh, and it's, uh, I just had a grilled cheese with uh, bacon and tomato <laughs> soup there. And that was my favorite lunch of the week.
0: That's it, man. So, I love yeah. it. Fantastic. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy and uh, really pumped that, that folks are going to be able to hear, hear uh, our conversation here. Cause I think there's a lot of value in it. Um, Anything else, you know, if people ha- weren't already familiar with you, how can they find you?
1: Yeah, anywhere. I mean, jbarrows.com, dot That's where you'll see everything. We're, doing, we're coming out with a new website here coming soon, so you'll be on the lookout for that. But, you know, LinkedIn's probably the one where I'm most active. But actually, I tell everybody this. If anybody wants any free consulting or has any questions about sales, uh, hit me up on Instagram. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I can't stand those little red overdue things. So anytime somebody hits me up, I, I, and as I'm walking through the airport, if you have a question, I'll pop on a video. So it's John M as in Michael Barrows, all one word. That's the handle. Uh, just hit me up on Instagram anytime and I'll happily answer any questions that you got.
0: Fantastic. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 51 of the lunch break podcast. Speak to you guys soon.